Hello, my wonderful friends. Uh, welcome to Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to uh, difficult questions. Uh, this is a program where we want to share with you the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Prita, your host, and I'm very happy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure, our privilege always to welcome you to the program, and uh, I'm inviting you to be part of this program right from the beginning. Uh, reminding you again the number which uh, you may know by now or if if you are for the first time joining us uh, the number is zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one on this number you can send a text message with a thought a comment uh, just being part of this program also on that number just a bit later on uh, we have um, a special offer prepared for you and we'll be very happy to share that with you and you need to send us a text message with a code which will give it to you just a little bit uh, later but right now i would like to welcome Uh, to the program uh, uh, over the phone from Western Australia Don Folberg uh, Don can you hear us Yes I can hear you thank you Nick and uh, uh, hello every listener there this afternoon as well Oh that's uh, very good uh, Don uh, that you are able to join connect with us uh, right here with me in the studio today it's also David Lima the director of Family Voice Australia for South Australia and Northern Territory. I'm not sure, Don, if you met David before or if you heard about David, but um, he's with us in the studio today. We'll do a little bit of World Watch with him also, and he will be part of the program with us as uh, as we go. Very good. Very good. Nice to have you there, David. Well, thank you, Don. Hey, um, Don, you are now the main uh, speaker, to say so, for uh, this uh, weekend. Um, it's a series, like a couple of weeks. We are yeah. um, uh, talking about, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Yes. And um, now you already uh, approached, you know, with uh, our um, hosts, uh, a few questions uh, this week. Uh, uh, did the Church of the Apostles really fall away? Was that a yeah. time when, when uh, you know, the Church just fall away and it was needed a, a, a reformation, a time of reform? And then another question, Don, uh, you, you discuss uh, was, what was remarkable about the Oldenses? Because we heard about this group of people, you know, in history, um, yes, and uh, yeah, those people who may miss the program uh, before, we encouraging them to uh, go back to our website faithfm.com.au, or even better, if you want to have the FaithFM app, um, just go on your uh, device uh, on uh, App Store and uh, download uh, FaithFM Australia, and you'll be able to um, listen back to those programs if you miss some of them. Yeah. And another question, Don, was uh, who was William Tyndall? Yeah, we told his story the other day. It's a fascinating story. Absolutely right. I liked uh, myself that story and uh, I enjoyed the program, what you had to share there, uh, Don. Uh, and also, I believe this is very important because when you talk about Protestantism, you know, uh, most of the people, even if they are not very religious, you know, they will, um, uh, it will come in mind Martin Luther. And we, and we, and we told, we told his story 
for yesterday's program, and it's also a fascinating story. Yes, yes. And the, the question was uh, yesterday, why did Luther cause such a stir? Yes. Yeah. And But today, you know, we are going to look a little bit more again, uh, um, generally, maybe looking back, you may mention some of the things which you already shared this week, but what is yeah. Protestantism? That will be the question which we are going to address uh, today a little bit more. I'm looking forward to sharing it, Nick. Yes. Now, just before we are um, uh, getting into the topic, uh, I'd like to uh, just um, approach a couple of things, you know, uh, while I have uh, David here in the studio, because uh, uh, not so often I have him uh, direct. Uh, live with us in, stu- in the studio here, but uh, da- David travels quite a bit uh, different places. And uh, yeah, David, uh, what do you have? Uh, first of all, uh, do you have anything uh, special to share with uh, with us uh, today? Well, I'm I'm just looking up at the screen here, Nick, where uh, one of our listeners has written in saying the Lord's Prayer should remain in Parliament. So I've just been Googling since coming to the studio to see if there's some live issue on that matter. Mm-hmm. I can't seem to find anything, mm-hmm. uh, although I'm aware that last year the Parliament of Victoria, under its Labor government, resolved that it would be removing the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. It hasn't taken action yet on that matter, so we'll have to wait and see. But apart from that action last year, I'm not aware of anything else. If any of the listeners do know some intelligence on this, by all means, if they can text us in, I'll be most pleased to get an update on the matter, but it's so important, Nick, that our parliaments do commence each day with Christian prayer. Absolutely right. Because if we can't give God His place, what do we, what on earth do we expect mm. our lawmakers to achieve? So very important that we retain that historic custom. Mm. But there was also um, something else uh, just happening. I spoke with you just before mm. we came um, yes. on air. A matter in regard to take away, you know, the time for people to worship. You know, uh, what what's that all about? Can you yes. share with us just well, in few words? Uh, we're quite uh, shocked to learn this week that the the NBL uh, authorities have scheduled a basketball game for Christmas Day. It's mm. going to be the Sydney Kings versus the Melbourne Union, and uh, this is just bizarre. I mean. There's nothing wrong with basketball, but families mm. want to enjoy Christmas Day and not have to have people, all of those involved, you know, the, not just the players, but the coaches and the, and the team leaders and all of the administrators running the basketball and all of that. It's just madness. Uh, we, we absolutely need to just slow down a little bit in our society and, uh, and honor God and, Recognize that we don't need to be working 24-7 and we don't need to be playing sport 365 days a year. So that's a disappointing uh, matter that's come to our attention just in these last few days. Yes, that's right. And also, David, um, I heard about just recently in the United States, you know, the um, uh, high court. You know, there was a case in the United States, uh, a postman, he was... Um, kind of asking for um, freedom of worship, not work on Sunday, for example. And um, they said that there's not such a thing to protect uh, you to worship on a special day. That's very interesting, you know, to talk uh, like that in a Protestant country. I'm not sure if it's a Protestant anymore mm-hmm. by the way they act and do things. Um, but that's an, uh, it's a worry in a way because um, 
when you talk about worship, now, uh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, you know, and um, sooner or later, uh, uh, they may come and say, you know, you're not allowed to worship on uh, on Saturday, on your Sabbath day. Um, there are Muslims, you know, they worship on different days and, and so on and so forth. I think the freedom of worship is just tightening. Yes. Well, Seventh-day Adventists, of course, have experienced persecution in the early colonial days of Australia, so I hope we don't go back to those times. Historically, we've always recognised individual freedom of conscience, Mm. and we've always tried to work sympathetically with anyone who had a particular need to pray at a particular time Mm -hmm. or to have a particular day of the week that they would want to be their day of worship. Um, But... We're just losing sight of that completely now because we are plunging headlong into materialism and so everything's being shelved, so to speak, in the sacred arena. Mm. Uh, spirituality is being shown the door. So, uh, you know, in my own youthful kids' lifetime, we've seen Sunday trading, for example. Uh, so there used to be at least one day a week when the shops would be shut and we would discipline ourselves in order to shop during the week and uh, and keep the weekend a bit more free. So those days are over now and mm. uh, it's it's really disappointing that we we're just killing ourselves Nick, you know, with all this work and with all this madness and materialism. Mm. So we need to restore some of these uh, traditional values including uh, praying in parliament, mm. including respect for the rights of individuals and freedom of conscience. That's right. And, uh, David, we always appreciate uh, your work, you know, um, going from place to place and uh, speaking about uh, these things and uh, uh, lobbying, you know, uh, with the authorities and um, other other things, you know, for the rights of people generally, uh, for the um, family uh, unit, you know, to be also kept in, in the right way. Um, and, yeah, we always appreciate those things. Um, I'm just wondering before we taking a short break here, Don, um, uh, can I ask you probably, yeah, what what you have in mind when you think about those uh, attempts, you know, uh, as I just said, uh, in the United States with the high court there, uh, not even considering, you know, saying that no, the Constitution doesn't uh, necessarily uh, protect you on that aspect. Yes, no, I appreciated what David said. And, uh, and I think on this issue, you know, freedom of of conscience, freedom of worship is so important to a to a country if it's going to go ahead. I think once you get oppressive measures and uh, this sort of thing, a country goes downhill. Mm, mm. Absolutely, absolutely done. Hey, look, uh, we are going to take a short break here, but also I'd like to give that offer to our uh, listeners today, right from uh, the beginning here. It's about uh, uh, Martin Luther. A man for his time. And if you like, my dear friend, uh, this uh, little uh, booklet, please send us a text message right away, right now, to 04888-8081 with the code SA63. SA stands for South Australia, just 63, the number 63. No break in between them. Not to confuse our friendly robot, the, we may ask you a couple of questions. But again, send us a, a text message with the code SA63 and the book uh, Martin Luther, A Man for His Time, will be yours. Please stay with us. Uh, we are going to play a song entitled Give Me the Bible. 
I think we need that uh, every day in our life. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wonder, lone and tempest-tossed. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day Give me the Bible when my heart is broken When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior dear Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day That light alone the path of peace can show Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day in eternal day In eternal day Welcome back, this is Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A We need Kurita And I've got today uh, online uh, with us from Western Australia uh, Don uh, Forberg and in the studio here with us still uh, uh, David Delima, the director of um, Family Voice Australia for South Australia and Northern Territory and it's good to have you both of you with us guys today. Um, Thank you. Now Don, I may just start uh, start with you asking this uh, question which we are um, 
going to to look into today. Uh, give us a little bit of uh, background. What is pro- Protestantism? Well, Nick, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica says Christian religious movement that began in Northern Europe in the 16th century as a reaction to the medieval Roman Catholic doctrines and practices. So really, Nick, men like Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon, along with the German princes, protested uh, and thus were called Protestants as distinct from uh, Roman Catholics. Mm. Oh, that's very, very good, very good. And uh, Don, as you mentioned about uh, Martin Luther, a bit earlier we offered to our listener um, a little booklet called uh, Martin Luther, A Man for His Time. And I would like again to just mention that, um, my dear friend, listening today, if you like to send us a text message with the code SA63, you'll have this book in your hands. And you need to do that by sending a text message to 04888-8081. Another question, Don, which I would like to ask you now is, um, what was the issue that brought things to a head in Luther's day, yes. Well, really, it was the uh, it was Johann Tetzel coming into Saxony, selling his indulgences, and this happened in fifteen seventeen. And I'll just give you a little of the story here. Johann Tetzel was appointed to raise money for Pope Leo to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Mm. And so he traveled around the country selling these indulgences, telling the common people that if they bought these things, well, then they uh, the punishment for their sins would be wiped or reduced. And uh, he told them that if they bought these things, their loved ones, uh, they could even buy their loved ones out of purgatory and hell. Mm-hmm. And so that really appeal to the masses, you know, and Tetzel was saying to the people, hey, listen, wouldn't you deliver your mum and your dad just for a coin? And and as they dropped them into the chest, he intoned, when the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. Mm. And so you can imagine the enthusiasm of people. And anyway, they took these indulgences and uh, they showed them to Martin Luther and uh, they said, we don't need to worry about our sins anymore or at least the punishment for them because that's all been taken care of. We've paid good money for this. Mm -hmm. Well, Luther was furious. This wasn't the teaching of the Bible. You can't earn salvation by buying indulgences. And uh, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Mm -hmm. And so Luther protested to the Archbishop Albert of Mainz, but Albert of Mainz was um, in tow with the Pope in raising this money and selling these indulgences, so he didn't say anything. Well, when Luther didn't accept these indulgences from the people, you know what they did, Nick? Some of them took them back to Tetzel and said, we want our money back. Right. Well, Tetzel fumed and cursed and lit fires in the public squares and declared that he had orders from the Pope to burn the heretics who dared oppose his most holy indulgences. 
Right. Well, Luther boldly wrote out his protest or what have been called theses, 95 of them on a scroll, mm-hmm. and he marched down the street in Wittenberg, and I've been there in Wittenberg, and he nailed these to the door of the castle church on the 31st of October, 1517. Right. Well, people came to look. And uh, people copied them down, and before long, they they had spread all over Germany, and uh, in fact, it wasn't too long before they went all over Christendom, and a copy even landed up on the Pope's desk. Right. So, uh, Nick, that's really what uh, brought the issue to a head. I mean, that was a pretty, out, uh, pretty um, open protest. Okay, and you mentioned about those theses, um, Don. Do you have a copy of uh, those uh, 95 theses? Or? I, I do. I do have a copy here. Would you be, able to, re- would you be able to read to us maybe a couple of them? Yes, yes, sure. Uh, number 27, for example, says, There is no divine authority for preaching that the soul flies out of purgatory immediately the money clinks in the bottom of the chest. And mm. so this is, you know, directly contradicting what Tetzel was telling the people. Another one says, All who believe themselves certain of their own salvation by means of letters of indulgence will be in eternally damned together with their teachers. Another one says, we should be most carefully uh, on our guard against those who say that the papal indulgences are an inestimable divine gift and that man is reconciled by them. Another one says, any Christian whatsoever who is truly repentant enjoys plenary remission from penalty and guilt, and this is given him without letters of indulgence. Um, Another one, a Christian should be taught that he who sees a needy person that passes him by, although he gives money for indulgences, gains no benefit from the Pope's pardon, but only incurs wrath of God. And perhaps one more, it says, it is vain to rely on salvation by letters of indulgence, even if the commissary or indeed the Pope himself were to pledge his own life for their validity. Mm, mm. That's very interesting ones, uh, uh, Don, and particularly try to put yourself in that time, you know, when uh, Martin Luther was taking this stand. And by the way, here, just for both of you, he, uh, Don and uh, David, now we know that uh, Martin Luther, he was a devoted Catholic uh, yeah. monk. And he was. Uh, and he was uh, part of that church in that period after a long time of of darkness, you know, the dark ages as we call it. Um, and he came across these things and you know how it is when you, um, slip away, you know, for, from the truth, you know, you go more and more and further and further and uh, reminds me of some passages in the Bible when the Israelites, the children of God, they got so drifted away from the truth, from, from what God wanted them to do, that they were not, you could not recognize them, you know. Uh, one, one story in the, the time of a young, young king, uh, Josiah, uh, there was a story that they found a book, you know, uh, the priest find the book in the temple, um, and, uh, 
Oh, when they find the book and read it, they could not believe it. But thank God that at that time the king said, oh, let's call a, a, a fast and prayer, you know, to ask God for forgiveness for what yeah. we are doing here. But we find ourselves, uh, you know, into this story you're talking about, uh, Martin Luther, that um, this young man, uh, he opened the Bible and uh, he could see that's not you know, they are not practicing what the Bible is asking. Yes. What's, yes. what's, yeah, what, David, what's your thought, um, in, in this regard? Well, Don is uh, right in all that he's reminded us of about Martin Luther. What a fascinating story it is. Uh, Luther, of course, as you've pointed out, Nick, was a very devout Catholic and he was doing his best within a system which had some fundamentally flawed theological um, precepts. Mm -hmm. And as a monk, he would just spend time fasting, praying and going on pilgrimage you know, climbing up and down the steps on his knees and all of that. Uh, but the more that he did that, the more despair he felt. And he said famously at one point, I lost touch with Christ the Saviour and Comforter. Mm. So his religi his religiosity just got in the way. Yeah, And that was because he didn't understand the gospel. And the truth is that the way that we are saved is not through prayer, fasting, penitence, pilgrimage, for whatever it might mm. be, but mm. by a simple profession of faith in Christ as Saviour and Lord, just asking him to forgive us our sins. There's nothing that any of us can do mm. to earn mm. merit with God. We've just got to throw ourselves upon his mercy and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Yeah. And uh, even though he was a professor of theology, <laughs> he ought to have known better. You know, he was a scripture scholar, mm -hmm. um, but he didn't understand the Bible because mm. he was stuck in a theological rut, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And then he just read the book of Romans again and was guided by by the writings of, uh, of Augustine uh, mm. from the 4th century, which really helped him to see that plain truth of Scripture that was saved by faith alone. We mm. just have to believe. Mm. And when he had that revelation, he was a changed man, and he changed the entire world by the grace of God. Absolutely right, David, and I agree with what you're saying. Um, I just want to add there that there may be times, like even like today in our time here, when we need to pull together, we need to stand uh up for the truth, you know, even if it's needed to call like a time of prayer, you know, and, and fasting. That's why I mentioned, you know, in the Old Testament, that story. But yeah, Don, anything you would like to add on this before we move on? I think I just underscore the fact that um, what really led Luther to protest was when he learned the Bible. Mm. You know, he was... As we've been saying, he was a faithful priest, but as a trainee priest there in the Augustinian monastery in Erfurt, he found a Bible. And as he began to read it, there he discovered things that were different to what the church had been teaching. Mm. For example, he had been brought up to believe that God was a harsh um, personality he was uh, but he read there about a God of love and a God of grace and patience and he wrestled with this because you know how to reconcile these things mm -hmm. and um, and there as as David rightly said when he read the book of Romans there and he came across that text the just shall live by faith it burned into his mind and so 
It was really the reading and the study of the scriptures that led him to protest against the indulgences. It wasn't just that he personally disliked Tetzel or he personally disliked indulgences. It was a conviction based on scripture that brought him uh, to that position. And like David has rightly said, he came to that conclusion, we're saved by grace through faith, as Paul said, not of works. It's a gift from God. And, uh, and, and so it was because he discovered these things from Scripture that he, uh, he made this protest. And because he saw the importance of people having the Scriptures, he decided they needed to be translated into the language of the people so these people could learn these things for themselves and see it for themselves. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just that he was saying it. He wanted them to be able to see it. And as I think about this, I think about my own great-great-grandfather, Felberg, Karl Felberg, who would read his German Bible and... uh, I think, you know, it's sort of personal because Luther Mm -hmm. translated the Bible into German and there my great-great-grandfather loved to read his German Bible and he found the joy and salvation in Jesus. Beautiful. And it's said of my great-great-grandfather that when others had retired to rest, he would often be seen sitting there reading his Bible, his German Bible. Well, having a Bible in the language of the people and basing our beliefs on the Bible is the foundation of the protest of the Protestant Reformation. Mm -hmm. The Protestant Reformation wouldn't have happened without the Bible and a willingness to follow it. That's a very powerful, uh, um, what you're just saying there, Don, because... uh, Even in these days, you know, we have Bibles everywhere, not only on the shelf, but in the pockets uh, everywhere. You know, we have electronic Bibles, we have, uh, you know, and still probably we don't spend that much time into the Bible, into the Word of God uh, to really probably have that experience like uh, Luther to be triggered to ask some of those questions which we mentioned already here uh, today, like in the book of Romans. Uh, are there any other passages in the Bible which comes in, um, to you, Don, uh, right now, maybe to share with us some of those things which uh, make a big difference, maybe in Luther's time, or could make a big difference in our time? Oh, I, I think of that little phrase again from Romans, chapter 3, verse 20. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. We're not justified by our obedience to the law or our obedience to any rituals or practices. Romans 5, verse 1, we're justified by faith and uh, find peace with God. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I may ask you, David, uh, any passages in the Bible comes to your mind to share with us? Well, uh, once Luther unlocked the key to the gospel, as it were, or rather the Holy Spirit revealed it to him, then all of Scripture came alive. Mm-hmm. And he he was a, an utterly transformed man, and he utterly transformed, by the grace of God, the entire world. I'll give you one example of that. Uh, he came to the realization that human sexuality is a good thing that family and marriage are good things. Mm. So anyone that wanted to serve God at that time 
would either become a priest or a monk if they were a man, or they'd become a nun if they were a woman. There was really no other option. And everyone else was rather looked down upon as being, you know, some kind of second-class Christian because, oh, you weren't really fully devoted in the way mm, that they were. Mm. So he was locked into that mindset, which is a very unbiblical mindset because the Scripture speaks so highly about marriage and family. Absolutely. So Luther really got that, and he ended up getting married to uh, a woman mm. who had escaped from the nunnery in the beer barrel uh, with, with others. Uh, monasteries and nunneries were being cleared out at this point as as this this refreshing good news was being shared across Europe. And uh, he, no one could find a husband for this poor Katie. Mm-hmm. I think she probably didn't look as attractive as, as, as some of the other women. So he ended up marrying her. Uh, and he founded a wonderful family, mm. and uh, he set a wonderful example there because really for about three or four hundred years, something like that, there had not been one married clergyman in all of Western Europe. It's incredible. So uh, even if you're not a Christian, you're enriched by the influence of Martin Luther because of the way in which marriage and family life have been enriched by the grace of God, uh, through this uh, this remarkable fellow. Now he he was no saint. He wasn't perfect. He mm-hmm. was a sinner in need of salvation, just like you and me. So let's not uh, elevate him too highly here. Yes. But nevertheless, we recognise that he was God's man for the hour, mm-hmm. and he transformed not only our appreciation of the gospel, but also our understanding of family life. Yes, that's so true, David. Uh, Don, any thoughts on that too? Yeah, no, it's so true, and uh, he. Um, uh, when he married Catherine von Bora, there he had um, three sons and three daughters, so a lovely family. Mm. And uh, and that was God. God never wanted his pastors to be celib- uh, to uh, to practice celibacy. Mm-hmm. You know, God said it's good for a man to find a wife, and uh, and he that uh, findeth a wife findeth a good thing. It says and. Yes, yes. And we talked uh, some other times uh, here, David, with uh, yourself, for example, how family is threatened uh, right now. You know, uh, lots of things uh, we hear about uh, going on that is is not uh, is not um, you know such an important mm. uh, thing. But yeah. we glad for people like you, David, uh, from Family Voice Australia, that you you stand for these principles. Yes. Well, we need people like. Martin Luther once again who mm-hmm. will remind us of what the scriptures say uh, the Bible speaks about the goodness of marriage, the goodness of family in fact it's a biblical qualification for leadership So mm. uh, it just beggars belief that for so many centuries the, the Roman church lost sight of this very simple plain teaching of scripture but this is what happens Nick and it's, it could happen to any of us mm. if we lose sight of Christ as Lord and if we become desensitized to his Holy Spirit's leading, there's, there's no limit to the stupidity that we all bring to ourselves. Absolutely right, absolutely right. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. And we are so thankful also for uh, Adventist World Radio for supporting us to be able to broadcast uh, here. Uh, my dear friend, listening today, uh, we also have this wonderful book uh, for you. If you like to send us a text message with the code SA63, And the book is Martin Luther, A Man for His 
time. I think you'll enjoy to read about that. Now, moving on, uh, guys, uh, Don, I'm, I may come back to you and asking um, this thing. Now, we're talking about uh, the Protestant protest. Um, I wonder uh, if you have you got a copy of the of what Luther uh, said at the Diet of Worms? Yes, I'll, um, I've got an abbreviated copy here. Mm-hmm. As he was being challenged there at the Diet of Worms, this was after the incident with the um, with Tetzel and the indulgences and so on. He was brought there to this august assembly. Uh, Charles V, the emperor, was there, and it was the most august assembly that could be marshaled at that time, and mm-hmm. he was asked, would he recant his works? And uh, Luther made this um, this wonderful reply. He said, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of Pope and councils, for they have contradicted each other. Mm. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, and I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Wow. And so there he, he, um, he stood on the Bible, and that's the great Protestant principle the Bible and the Bible alone. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, and uh, I have another little statement here. It says, perhaps the most significant thing Luther fought for that day in Worms was freedom of conscience. Mm-hmm. He argued that no pope or prince or prelate had the right to dictate to or by his conscience. He declared quite in opposition to the prevailing norms of his age that a man was free to think for himself and act for himself without the blessing of the Pope. As I think about this, Nick, I think about what Peter said in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. You remember there that uh, Peter and the apostles, they were threatened not to preach a crucified and risen Saviour. Yes, yes. And uh, anyway, they they continued preaching Jesus, and they were brought there before the council, and uh, they said, you know, what are you fellows doing? You know, we, we command you not to do this. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Mm. And And, you know, I say to our listeners today, would you have stood on the word of God like Luther? I think that's a question each of us have to answer for ourselves. Are we prepared to stand on the word of God or are we just going to swim along with the tide and the current of popular opinion? That's so true, Don, and uh, particularly uh, right now, as I mentioned a bit earlier, we live in those kind of times where uh, again there is that attempt on um, on uh, you know uh, restricting you to stand for what you believe you know to believe in you know to have that freedom of um, of faith and belief and that's happened in many countries and uh, under different yeah. different things you know probably sometime a little bit more um you know, behind the scenes and things like that, you can have a feel even today as you look around that there is that uh, attempt 
to restrict you again, you know. And I hope yes. that uh, we'll be able to stand firm uh, through whatever brings in, uh, you know, time brings in our life to serve God, to yes. um, to really represent God and our faith in Jesus, you know, uh, to stay strong for that. I remember, um, and probably, guys, you may have a story to share on this, uh, but uh, myself, uh, when I was, um, you know, um, in my 20s, uh, you know, I came from a, a show business background at the time, and uh, um, I was also working a bit uh, uh, with a company, and I came to the realization that I need to follow what the Bible has to say. And I asked at that time that I need to worship on a particular day. And in this case, you know, on uh, the Saturday. Um, and you know what? I was told that um, if I decided not to go on uh, work on that Saturday, because in during communist time, I, you know, uh, where I grew up, uh, we worked pretty much uh, 24-7, you know. And uh, they said that if you don't uh, come to work, better don't come back again, you know, uh, the next day, you know, or, uh, or Monday in that case. Yeah. And I had to take a decision. I had to take a decision. I said, that's okay, you know, and uh, this is my, uh, under my, you know, conscience, you know, this is what I believe. And, uh, and I had to let the, the job go. It's interesting that, you know, and I haven't got time now here to share that beautiful story. In that day, God find me another job in that mm. day. Uh, but after I decided and I knew that I lost my job, uh, God provided uh, me with, uh, with another job. And that's wonderful. And I wonder if you guys, uh, you had something to share uh, how um, you had to stand for God and for your faith. Anybody? I was thinking of my visit to Russia. You, you brought this to mind. Mm -hmm. And um, this was back in the days of communism when I first, uh, when I went to Russia there and uh, I was told, you know, you need to be careful what you say in the church because it will be reported uh, or there'll be spies there in the church. And, um, and, and so, you know, we had to be very careful in what we said. Mm -hmm. I was told even in the motel room where we stayed, don't talk about anything sensitive because there could be, uh, recording things there and uh, they, because I'd been told there'd been other pastors who'd come to Russia and uh, what they had said and done um, was taken note of and um, made it more difficult for some of our believers there. So it comes back to this uh, freedom of conscience and this religious liberty mm. and uh, the Protestant, uh, Luther and those uh, German princes they fought for this principle of religious freedom and freedom of conscience. And sadly, as you say, it's being bit by bit taken away from us in this, in this time in which we live. There is less religious freedom in the world today than there was a few years ago. Right, you're right, Don, and I believe it will uh, it will happen uh, more and more as I see things uh, unveiling here. I don't know, mm. David. You grew up in a pretty much you know free, let's say, country, and yes, uh, yes. Uh, I don't uh, have the same kind of background that you've got, Nick, coming from uh, the, the communist background. 
And I thank God for that in a sense because mm. we are told, in fact, to pray for the authorities that we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Mm-hmm. So mm. I'm thankful that I live in this nation of Australia. I've lived here most of my life. And I've never experienced religious persecution mm. here. Mm. And long may that be the case. However, mm-hmm. things are starting to unravel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a Christian now, you're often regarded not simply as being a bit daft, but downright dangerous. Mm. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking of legislation that may be coming through that would prevent Christian people even from, from praying mm. for those who are um, struggling with issues of sexuality and they want some prayer and they want some counselling. Yes. If people want that, then let them have it. Why, why should the government get in the way? But no, mm. our, our governments are increasingly taken over by people who are trying to stamp out the good influence of Christianity. Well, Luther certainly faced that. He had to go off in hiding. He grew a big bushy beard. Yeah. He spent the time translating the Bible. So uh, you can even use a time of persecution for good. And we think of the Apostle Paul who requested the books and the parchments to be brought to him when he was in prison and he was using his time wisely. But the fact that Luther was able to translate the Bible into the local language of German was so profound because it meant that people could read the Word of God without someone else filtering it for them and spinning it in accordance with the ways of man. So what a blessing it is that we have the Scriptures here in our own language today so that we can read for ourselves the truths of the Gospel. Yeah, that's all right, David, uh, what you said. And uh, Luther not only stood up, you know, with his... His, uh, life, but also with the pen, you know, uh, uh, as you just said, um, that's very important. And I believe uh, it's a much need of uh, some looters <laughs> today, you know, or if I like to say, um, men, men of God, people of God who can stay uh, strong and say those words which Luther says, I cannot do otherwise, you know. Uh, mm. Yeah, mm. I think I think we need because. Uh, as you said, David, we are facing slowly, slowly. We are facing some things which uh, um, probably it's it's better to stand up and uh, before it's too late. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, when Martin Luther got hold of the gospel message, it was so transformative. And I'm thinking of the economic transformation which occurred, where mm. people were recognizing that that their work during the week was as, as, as every bit as valuable as the work of the, of the sort of prof- professional minister as mm. it were, or the ordained mm. pastor, whatever we might call such a person. And that transformed people's attitude because it meant that they would be honoring Christ, whether they're baking bread or mending shoes or working as an ironsmith or whatever it might be. And that, that just transformed the economy because it meant that you could trust people, you could rely upon them, you could extend credit to them. Uh, if they told you they'd make something for you, you could rely upon it, their, their name would be on it, their workmanship yeah. would be showcased there because they were serving Christ. And that's what the Bible says, that we're to work as those serving Christ. So, this wonderful transformation occurred in Europe, and now it's all unraveling because if you take Christ out of the picture, then why why should you work well? Mm. Why why should you bother to go the extra mile? And so mm. we are we are increasingly unraveling as a society now because we are losing the goodness of workmanship, a Christ honouring work, uh, and that means that things like bribery can occur and mm. corruption can mm. occur. 
Uh, whereas uh, in Europe, uh, following the Protestant Reformation, there was this wonderful transformation such that you could just rely upon everyone that you did business with. Yes. So this is a sort of forgotten element of the impact of what God was able to do through Martin Luther. So it's not just individual salvation, as important as that is, but we're talking about transforming the economy as well. Mm, that's, that's so true. Mm. Uh, guys, we have maybe another five minutes or so. Uh, I wonder, uh, Don, um, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about these uh, Protestant principles, you know. Um, I mean, do you reckon, is that uh, room for protesting against uh, error uh, in our days? Is that still needed today, uh, Don? What do you think? Do we have any passages uh, in the Bible which we can refer to? Well, absolutely. I, I believe that we still need this Protestant principle. There's been a falling away, and I think of that text in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 where Paul warned that before the coming of Jesus, there would be a falling away. And uh, there has been, sadly, in many Christian churches, the temptation has come to fit in with the culture of the day. And so many have said, oh, well, you know, we can accommodate this. And I believe we need to protest about the false teachings and practices that are being urged upon us and our children and uh, these teachings, some of them that come from within the church mm -hmm. and that run contrary to the clear teaching of the Bible. And again, I would quote the words of Peter where he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And when it comes to knowing what we should stand up for and what we shouldn't stand up for, well, Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony, those two words there really could be paraphrased to the Bible and to the Bible. If they're not in harmony with these, there is no light in them. Absolutely. And again, I say, Nick, I say, Nick, to our listeners today, are you willing to stand up for the teachings of the Bible in today's climate? Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to be a Martin Luther in today's climate? Mm. Absolutely. And Don, uh, do you think that um, in this enlightened age, we could ever be threatened with death for not conforming uh, to church mandates or, uh, uh, you know, uh, even uh, well, the power of the state, you know? I think scripture is uh, is very clear. In Revelation 14, verse 7, God gives a call to people in the last days to worship the Creator. Wow. But then there is also a, a warning about worshipping uh, the beast and the image of the beast and so on. And if I can read some very challenging verses here in Revelation 13, it says, He, talking about a modern-day power, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship Uh, the image of the beast to be killed. Mm. This is talking future. He causes all, it says, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the beast or, or the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I mean, that is challenging prophecy. I mean, what I mean, that is challenging us. Here it's telling us that in the future we're going to face some issues, particularly regarding worship, it uh, zeroes in on here, and, uh, and 
you know, just like Luther, mm-hmm. uh, we will have to make our stand. And I, I, I think there our only safety is to know Jesus, to know his salvation, and to stand solidly on his word. And I think about what Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. But the challenge is going to come to each of us in the near future. Yes, that's so true. So true. Thank you for uh, for that, um, Don. Thank you for sharing with us, uh, David. Uh, I'm just wondering, um, just before I will ask you, maybe to close with a prayer. If you have any other thoughts, just to add on uh, what we were talking uh, today, because yeah, we approach this aspect of uh, under the whole theme: is Protestant Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? Yes, it is because we. We are departing at a rate of knots mm. from foundational faith in this country. It's true of every Western nation. Mm. And we need for our churches just to rise up powerfully. Uh, sadly, our societies these days are laughing at the church and our governments mm. also. Concerning David of old, it's, it is written that God made all the nations fear him. Mm. Our churches are no longer feared uh, yet Martin Luther was feared. That's why there was such persecution against him. He was right, and yeah. he, he was transformative by the grace of God in what he was saying. We need people like him today, and uh, my prayer is that perhaps from among our listeners there will be such individuals whom God will raise up to take their stand and to be instrumental in bringing about reformation. So perhaps I'll just lead us now in prayer as we conclude the show. Our Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus and for the simplicity of his gospel message. We thank you that we can profess faith in him and recognize that he died and rose for our sins so that there's nothing that we need to do, there's nothing we can do, but as we throw up ourselves upon his mercy he is faithful to forgive us so we thank you for jesus and for the way in which his holy spirit has touched so many men and women throughout history we've concentrated just on one Mm. in particular tonight but there are so many and we give thanks for each one of them who was willing to be your spokesman your vessel uh, your prophet your your mouthpiece Mm. and we do pray that there'd be a real shaking of your churches throughout the world, that Amen. the church will rise up to be authentically salt and light and really penetrate the culture and really proclaim powerfully the good news of Jesus, uh, his lordship, his role as both saviour and lord, so that we will see the full gospel, receive that full gospel for personal salvation and for global transformation. So hear our prayer for each one of our listeners, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, David. And thank you for uh, being with us today. We really enjoy you having, uh, you being part of this uh, here. And, uh, Don, also, yeah, thank you for sharing with us. We are looking forward for next time. Don, you are going to share with us in the next program. Um, under still under this, uh, theme uh, is Protestant uh, still uh, needed in the third millennium. But we are going to ask maybe the next question is, uh, uh, what crime so John Knox, who go to the uh, to the galleys, uh, and you are yes. going to share on that, uh, Don, uh, in the next program. Thank you so oh, much. Baby.
Yep. I've been to Scotland and uh, yes, we'll tell the story of John Knox. Oh, that will be wonderful. And uh, dear listener, don't uh, miss out that. Uh, please join us again uh, next time. Until then, may God richly, richly bless you and have a safe walk in the footsteps of Jesus. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. comes a marching like an army and you hear all the pounding of the drums where your cries for justice come up empty when you ask in weakness Lord how long When they sing with their creeds and confessions with blinded eyes and hearts of stone, when they paid no heed to your oppression, I will never Beside you in your suffering 